Before we get started with um, our continued look at the DASA report, let's, let's pray. Uh, Father, we are uh, grateful to you that you have given us time to uh, pull aside and think through uh, some very uh, heavy but important topics and pray that you would give us wisdom as we discuss them. Um, Father, give, give me wisdom as we um, present them. Uh, most importantly, may your name be honored. Uh, the fact that you care about those who are vulnerable and um, have put in place what we should do to care for one another. And so I pray that you grant us um, clarity during this time and encouragement from your word. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, uh, so just a quick backdrop. DASA is a, a shortened version of domestic abuse, sexual assault. Uh, two years ago, well, actually several years ago, our denomination said we need a study on, um, uh, the, on items connected to abuse and assault. And uh, it's different for the Presbyterians than for others. So the Southern Baptists did a study on analytical data for what was happening in their denomination. They did that as a, a way to say this is what's actually taking place. Uh, when the PCA did our study committee, it was what is the theological basis for approaching these topics and what's the pastoral direction for how we um, engage with each other. And that's primarily what this report is about, is the theological backdrop of what is abuse and what does God say about it, what is God's heart concerning abuse. And then um, because of the fact that we are Presbyterian, what is the, what's the uh, result? What do we do uh, as we uh, engage in one another? Uh, it's, so, it's so interesting to me that these last couple of weeks have tracked on the sermon side with Jim and our DASA re- review is it matters what happens as we interact with each other. And if we harm each other, um, if, we, if we do, or if we're guilty of these kinds of things, uh, we have a responsibility and obligation to bring them to light, number one, and to address them. Um, this is an encouraging thing that God does not want evil to remain hidden. He wants it brought to light, and He wants it to be addressed. That's what you just heard for the last hour, and particularly in the sermon, was um, these issues of us, you know, trading paint is a very crude way of saying we're going we're gonna to absolutely cause damage to each other. Um, what is it that God wants us to do? So DASA has that as its backdrop. Our denomination said several years ago, let's, let's put this together. It's not as if it's a new topic, because it's not. It's been around forever, every, ever since people have been uh, hanging out together. Uh, they harm each other. And, um, but it's really been a pronounced issue in our culture, and I think our culture wants to know, uh, what do these Christians think about this? Um, because we're uh, as human as anybody else, right? Uh, as fallen as everybody else, but we do have the oracles of God, we do have the Word of God, the, the prayer and sacrament, to be able to address each other uh, in ways that I think are going to be encouraging and helpful. So last week, all we did was say that the Westminster Confession of Faith actually addresses all of these topics. A 1649 document by which uh, we have as a constitution addresses uh, issues of abuse and oppression. And that's the key language you need to remember is when the Bible talks about uh, abuse, we're actually talking about all the behaviors associated with oppressing people. And so um, I'll go ahead and say this now and and I'll move on from this, but um, our culture has this new uh, language base of oppression and social justice in categories that sometimes we're going to disagree with because all of those categories of oppression and social justice 
are not biblical categories and they're not even biblical thinking, right? Um, the fact that there are some people who are the oppressor and some people who are the oppressed, some that sin and some that don't, is absolutely unbiblical. We're all guilty, right? Um, but if you care about uh, the, the fact that the Bible addresses social issues of justice, then you'll care about this topic, you'll care about these things, you'll care about these social justice issues, because these are actual uh, biblical examples and um, behaviors that we inflict upon each other as a result of our sin. Uh, the other thing we said was that the, the, the aim of the DOS reports is provide theological and pastoral instruction for serving the victims and bringing accountability to the abuser. So if you're thinking, this is what, this is what the church says about things going on in the civil magistrate, we're not. We're not talking about what the civil magistrate needs to do. We're not talking about what law enforcement needs to do. We are going to refer to that if you if you flip through the paper at all. You know that there are some reporting responsibilities for the church to go to the authorities and say, these things are taking place. Here's our, here's our um, uh, responsibility, your responsibility. Um, th- those things are covered in the paper, but uh, our focus is really on what do we do within the church and the structure we've been given to address these topics. Um, I didn't mention this last week, but I have to do it now because we're going to talk about domestic abuse and child abuse and uh, sexual abuses in that and then spiritual abuse. All of those things are in this report. Uh, it is a hill to climb. It is worth doing. It is excellent. It is absolutely excellent. Um, but um, the, one of the, the three things I wanted to point out here is the benefits of the PCA structure. So we are in a denomination that basically says we have a, a session, a group of elders, that's a court. And we handle issues in our church in that court. There is another court beyond that. It's the Presbytery. That's a court. And the court above that is the General Assembly, which is coming to Memphis in June. And when that General Assembly is, is gathered, um, we'll all, hopefully as many as you can, can, come and participate. The worship is going to be phenomenal. But these topics will come up. The adoption of this report will come up. And um, the, the thing I'll say is, if you, if you need justice within the biblical context of a, a local church, you have a session. But sometimes the session is also, they're sinners too. I'm a sinner. Chaz is a sinner. Bob's a sinner. Jim's a sinner. And if you can't seem to get, for any number of reasons, um, relational influence or whatever it is, you have the ability to appeal and say, I am not getting heard. One of the reasons DASA has happened is because in a PCA church, there was a young woman who went to her session and they, they shut her down. Um, for all, uh, any number of reasons. They either didn't believe her or didn't think it was that big a deal or whatever it was and shut it down. She appealed to the Presbytery. And the Presbytery got involved and we have what is now a report not just because of that case but because of the need to address those kinds of things and bring them to light. I'm not an exposure for the sake of exposure guy but all evil is going to be brought to light, period. It just is. Um, the benefits of PCA membership. So on this committee are uh, ruling elders and teaching elders, as you're familiar with in all of our courts, but also others who are invited to participate in this committee, you should flip through that list. It's on the back of your brochure, too, if you take a look at it. Um, That list of of participants is extraordinary. Um, We are a very small denomination in the scheme of things. We, we We are a drop in the bucket. But God has blessed us with a number of incredible resources, all of whom... Uh, have this as a topic, that do this professionally, that have significant training and uh, 
reams of books that they've written on these topics that are members of PCA churches and have taken vows as member of a PCA church so that all these things that we're talking about are, they have some teeth to them, right? Um, but there's one guest or one person who is a guest of this committee who's, uh, on, who's on the list uh, that I'll, I'll mention now, and that's Rachel Den Hollander. If you remember Rachel Den Hollander, she was a member of the U.S. Olympic team that brought to light Dr. Nasser's abuse of many of the uh, female gymnasts. And she is a member of a Reformed Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. She has been significantly influencing this discussion. She is a gift to the entire church. And if you hear her address the General Assembly last year, uh, you would be super encouraged by somebody who was encouraged by, by this report. Right? Uh, and then finally, uh, the benefits of the PCA of the larger church, that we're going to have this discussion on multiple levels and needs, needs to be had. Um, in every one of these categories, child abuse, domestic abuse, spiritual abuse, uh, these are the five uh, co- kind of topics that are addressed in each one. Every brochure is set up on this, on this structure. Expressing God's heart, what does God think about these things from Scripture? Um, recognizing, responding, and reporting. So how do you recognize these issues? How do you respond to them and what reporting has to be done? And sometimes reporting um, will, will have to be uh, amended or, or governed by just wisdom on how to do it. Right, um, the the push in any of these cases is to immediately say let's 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 blow it wide open, but the, the reality is there are all kinds of extenuating circumstances that would say we have to protect everybody involved until we can say this is what happened. Right, uh, shepherding the victim, a ton of of energy in this document is given towards how do we care for primarily women and children, primarily women and children. It's not that there aren't any cases of um, uh, wives abusing husbands in the case of domestic violence. It, it does happen. I've, I've had to step in physically. I've actually been in the room. I had to step in physically between the opposite um, and the other way, <laughs> frankly. Uh, I've had the sad um, experience of doing both. But the, the, the occurrence of female abuse of male, it's so, it's so, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, I'm just saying it's so small that the paper simply addresses by volume the victims who are female and children, because those are the ones who are primarily victimized. Would you agree with that sort of approach and assessment? That's, it's reality. Um, but talk about uh, prevention, what, what is it that the church can do as far as steps in prevention? Uh, there's no way in a 45-minute session that we can go through all of these topics in exhaustive uh, detail for domestic abuse and child abuse, and we're covering both of those today. It's going to be tough. Um, but the paper is really good, and, and we want you to know uh, we, the session, are, are appreciative of the guidance of this uh, committee and will we'll want to put into place a lot of the things that you're reading because it's just, it's just a lot of wisdom. It's just a lot of good wisdom. And then finally, what about the abuser? It's a, it's a discussion. The, the, the proper focus is on the victim. But there is a discussion on what do you do in, shep- in shepherding or ministry to an abuser, um, a, a sinner like you and me, uh, different sins maybe, but a sinner like you and me. And how do we keep that clear in our minds that the victim is the focus? So often in a church the abuser will be the focus and the victim gets very little attention. Um, we want to make sure victims get shepherded, abusers get addressed. Right? 
particularly with accountability uh, from a church standpoint. We don't have any civil authority. We have, we have spiritual authority. And that spiritual authority matters, in my opinion, in many ways, far above. Um, so domestic abuse as DASA section 2, and before we dive into what it says in, in bullet point status, um, domestic abuse, no shocker here, is, and this is really important to keep in mind, we're not talking about marital conflict that has just been ramped up into, we're not even, that's not the focus of the paper. Marital conflict happens all the time. If you're married, you know that there is conflict. Um, I've been married for 33 years. I'm very thankful for my marriage. Marriage is great in many ways. There's this collaboration that I never experienced. There's like all kinds of cohesiveness in their experience. It's great stuff. Uh, but, but Shannon and I, she's not in here, so she can't defend herself. Can't defend herself. Um, we're different people. We have different, I have a, a significantly different background. Poverty, broken, broken home, uh, all kinds of tragedy and disaster in my, in my background. She grew up in a Christian home with Christian parents and um, all kinds of issues there too, because there are. And then you put those two people in a marriage together and you say, hey, figure this out. Uh, I'm, this is nothing, every single married couple here is like, yeah, that's right. Two people, broken, jacked up people trying to live together uh, in close proximity and intimacy on a, for a long time, for as long as you can live, right? Um, this is not marital conflict that's boiled over. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a different incident, a different set of behaviors, a different thing in domestic abuse that is not just marital conflict that, that has erupted. Um, we are here for marriages when they boil over. Um, Sometimes they can recover and sometimes they can't. But we're here as a session for um, care and shepherding of people in marriage. And we're also here when abuse is the situation and we have to engage in that. Um, the, very, the most important thing you should have heard last week is the Westminster Confession of Faith. Because elders in the, Westmin- in the PCA take vows to uphold the Westminster, we cannot be silent about it. We can't just say, it's just you know, it's part of um, not to make too much fun of this, but uh, if you watch Andy Griffith, there is an episode or two of Andy Griffith where Barney is joking about you gotta you gotta spin them women around every now and then, right? You gotta you gotta you gotta show them, and and you kind of look at it and laugh, and the, and the the canned laughter in the background is it's a little troubling after you hear him say it. It's like, oh, what is that? Uh, we're talking about. Um, this is criminal behavior, right? Uh, it's a crime. And, and so we have responsibility within the church and we have responsibility outwardly. Um, one thing that the report says over and over again, and I think it's important to say it and it's really uh, challenging to me because I, I, I want to care for God's people, and that is the church is not well suited for handling a lot of issues. We're just not. We're just not really good at it. Particularly if it's on the criminal side, we have responsibilities to engage with the civil magistrate, but we're not really good at investigation. We're not really good at... If you talk to a... Rab. When Rab was here as a deacon and you talk to Rab about um, how life really works when it comes to uh, things that we don't have to deal with all the time, he was just sort of matter of fact about knowing what to do because he did it all the time, right? We are not in that... 
thankfully we're not in that camp all the time where it's every day you're having to go into somebody's house and break up, break up a fight. That's not a normal thing. So with that in mind, marital conflict is not domestic abuse. But uh, biblically, the language for abuse is oppression. And so you'll see that language throughout the entire report is it's oppression. And whenever God talks about uh, being a friend of those who are oppressed or a defender of the oppressed, uh, in that category are people who are victims of abuse, domestic, child, otherwise. And he, God ramps it up when it comes to people who are particularly vulnerable, women and children. And he ramps it up because the purpose of putting people in authority is not to belittle or dominate, but to serve and to care for and to encourage. And in some ways, it's help you find your potential because I need, to help, I need help finding mine in Christ. That's the job of authority is not, is not to beat down or hold down or help you find your place but to serve and to care for and to nurture and develop right uh, the christian home is supposed to be a place where where people are nurtured and launched and launched into a world that is going to eat them alive going to eat them alive and thanks be to god he has given them He's given us the Christian home as a way to develop people and prepare them for that. Um, abuse is primarily idolatry. This is the language used in the paper for abuse. It's idolatry. It's the desire for power and control, idols. It's the abuser's sense of entitlement. Um, there's a whole study there. And the desire to be God, the abuser's desire to be God in the lives of the people that they abuse, thinking that they have complete control exercising that control in sinful ways and behaviors that we address in gossip. Uh, categories of recognition. Um, so these are different categories of abuse and how to recognize it. Uh, emotional, spiritual, economic, sexual, and physical. Um, just, just for a moment, I'm going to have somebody just read each of these, just descriptors. These are just descriptors um, of abuse. It's not exhaustive. Uh, so I'll start with uh, Scott Sarter, uh, emotional. Would you read that one, the, kind of how to recognize it? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's an emotional way to start abusing people or to practice abuse is to use these tactics as part of that behavior, right? Gaslighting may be an unfamiliar term to you. You've heard of it, but not necessarily. What is gaslighting? Anybody? Yes, yes, um, to try to convince them that what's happening is not real or what you're experiencing is not real or what you care about is not a real concern or what you think is, that's gaslighting. It's, it's happening every day as you're scrolling through your phone. I'm just here to tell you, every day as you're scrolling through your phone. Yes, um, and, I, and I try not to do movie recommendations I try to use illustrations, not necessarily recommendations. Thank you, Tim, for that. Uh, appreciate you. Tim, while I have you, uh, if you'll read the spiritual description. Can you think of an example of that where somebody, an abuser, would, would use faith, the categories of faith, as a way to abuse? Can you think of an example of that? Yeah, to say submission, uh, it's in the Bible, and, and here's what that means. Um, all those kind of 
uh, uh, unfair discussions if, if you're using different terminology or different, um, you know, Since they're not in the room, you can all confess that now. <laughs> that you've actually done this. That I've actually done this before. To get my way. And I joke about it, but you can ramp that up into some really serious negative stuff. Any other thoughts? Yes. That's uh, it's the nature of a cult, is to take spiritual realities. Because um, every single human being knows, even, even my atheist friend, knows that there's a spiritual aspect of who you are. Now, you may not connect it to an actual religious practice, but there's a spiritual aspect of it, and they can use that as a way to um, promote, promote abuse. Uh, somebody take the economic one. All right, so um, can you think of an example where an abuser would use economics or an economic um, uh, category to abuse? There's some pretty simple ones. Landlord tenant for a husband and wife? Oh, I, I guarantee you, but I guarantee you, even as husband and wife, there is there are some who would use that relationship as I, I own, you occupy. Right? Others? Can you think of other ways? Oh, for sure. And lack, lack of access to those things. Um, I'm not saying this is the way to do it, but um, in our house, we've it's all from day one. It's been this is us our stuff. Um, I actually, my language is, it's all your stuff. I'll die before you. So it's really all your stuff. Um, I just live here. I use the reverse, the reverse language. I just live here. This is all your stuff. Um, and it's, boy, it's, there's so much that can be done there. The allowances, I'll give you an allowance. Uh, allowance is not a bad thing. It's just when you start using that as your manipulative tool. John? Absolutely, 100%. Any other thoughts? I've got to keep moving. Somebody read the one on sexual abuse. Yeah, where the abuser's um, uh, sexual proclivities, their own, that personal satisfaction is the goal of the, the person they're abusing, right? And you can have that in the category of domestic abuse and in child abuse. And in child abuse. It's getting icky. But this is reality. Where the abuser's sexual satisfaction is the focus. Um, without having to go through all the descriptors, you, you, you get it. You get what we're talking about. Next one. So this is where we, um, we talked about, you know, we talked about governmental authority and have force. Um, when you are the physically stronger person, in particular we're talking about children, um, uh, physical, the physical category of abuse is I can use my physical strength to, get, to, to dominate you in a way that I need, I need you to act this way. Um, so I, I'm not going to represent all males, but man, what a this is a difficult one because we do have the ability, in many cases, uh, to exercise our will through our physical being, right? Um, so I'm I'm sitting at home one night with Shannon, get the phone call from a young lady, a daughter. She calls me up. My, my dad's abused me. Can you come come to your house? Come here. Um, we, start, we start listening to the description. Sean has all kinds of questions. I know the dad. Um, let me go talk to your dad. Let me go. And sure enough, he, he confessed that he physically used his um, thighs 
to um, put her where he wanted her to be because they couldn't get there otherwise. And it is a, it is a part of our fallenness that says, at some point, I can, I can get what I want if I could impose my physical needs. It's a, it's, a, it's a sinful behavior. It's a criminal behavior when it gets ramped up to physical harm. But it is a, it's a, um, it's a category of abuse. They do, and, and although we won't have the time in, in this setting to go through it all, the report also recommends what, what the reporting structure ought to be to the civil magistrate and how that works. And every state's different, right? Mississippi's different from Connecticut, and Connecticut's different from Iowa, what the reporting structures are. So a session has to have at least some understanding of what that's going to look like, too. Um, don't think for a second, though, that sexual abuse doesn't happen within the church. Don't think it for a second. Uh, Evidence of domestic abuse. So I'm going I'm to roll through these. Um, things that, that you're looking for, and these aren't just instances. These are patterns, right? These are behaviors. Uh, is she especially timid and or fearful? Is she overly self-effacing? Is she subdued, even fearful around the husband? Does, the, does she scurry to do what he says? Scurry is a very descriptive word. Um, is he arrogant, rigid, critical, controlling? Does he speak and act disrespectfully towards her or about her? Does he appear to control her, keep her under his thumb? Does he refuse to specific or sorry, sacrificially support the use of her gifts in the body? Does she have difficulty making eye contact with pastors or elders? Is she not allowed, quote, not allowed to attend church meetings or Bible study unless accompanied by her husband? Is she anxious about always getting home on time? These are just kind of evidences that you can recognize. There are many, many more, right? These are things that we're uh, to be sensitive to and aware of. In the, in the category of domestic abuse. Uh, response and reporting. Um, what is the responsibility of the church, the session, in responding to that and reporting it? Um, because there's so much detail here, there, there is a responsibility, a response, and there is a reporting um, um, responsibility. Um, we are, again, we're not well prepared. I don't think any, I don't think any church is well prepared to start addressing all the issues in the church. Things usually fly under the radar. Uh, but our, our focus here is um, we need to be ready. It's hap- it, it's hap- There's no way in a church this size that we are not struggling with these issues. There's no way in a church this size there aren't women and children and men who have experienced this sometime in their life or, or in their family and know that this is um, other than going into the battlefield and blowing things up and having to kill people. The second category of PTSD, the largest on planet Earth, other than having to go into a a battlefield and kill people, is domestic abuse. Other than that, it's the largest category of PTSD. Um, One of the things we're going to be talking about, as the report um, encourages, is the shepherding aspects, opportunities for redemption, a church advocacy group who can help uh, kind of navigate some of these waters, the crisis in- intervention team, um, uh, super helpful. Uh, nobody wants to be on that team, uh, but super, super helpful when the situations arise. Uh, special rules for process against a minister. So let me say this. Um, you may already starting to un- understand our structure much better than you have before, but the session is a court. It is a court. We, we have the ability to exact justice. 
um, from a spiritual perspective amongst our members that take vows to the church. When you took that fifth vow, that fifth vow says you are going to submit to the, the court that, that as, as we have to get involved, you will participate in that involvement. That's, that's what you said when you became members. And, and it's why people say membership, that's a, big, that's a big move. That's a big step. It is. Vows matter. Right? Vows matter. Um, but you also know that your membership is at Christ Covenant Church. My membership, Chaz's membership, Bob's membership is at Christ Covenant Church. Do you know where Jim's membership is? At the Presbytery level, right? He's the member of Presbytery. And so if there is a case that involves Jim in this case, there's not. But if there was, um, our court would be Presbytery. And the rules for dealing with a, a minister in Presbytery are very clear, what you have to do. This is probably one of the biggest things that um, we have to address is um, it's difficult for a ruling elder to know all the ins and outs and processes that you have to go to make a case. And you guys have watched enough you know, real-life court case shows, real-life court case uh, documentaries, and you've watched enough of that to know, man, you can make a mistake in how you present something, and that person's going to get off. You can, you can skip a step, and that'll get thrown out. We've had cases that have gone on for years and some, some minor technicality, it's out, and what would happen was an injustice and people go, I'm just out of here. I'm, just, I'm tired of this church. I'm tired of these people. I'm tired. You're going to get very tired of the country. You're going to get very tired of your municipality because almost everything is that way. You've got to know that process. And so to our sisters and, and even our children, um, you don't have to know all that, but you, you need to know we will... Um, we're here to help you with that process here and there if the need, if the need arises. And then lots of shepherding the victim and the abuser. Um, man, oh man, uh, I, I don't want to get too deep into it because it's so tricky on how you minister to the abuser, but there's an accountability there and a ministry there. There's redemption possible for those who've committed such abuse, domestic abuse. Yes, it's possible, very possible. Um, so, uh, I don't want to read through all these, but in the paper it does say um, there are some things to think about as a church when it comes to the categories of domestic abuse. And it's really kind of a wake-up call to say, um, do, do you, are you aware of how much of this is going on? Are you aware of domestic child spiritual authority abuse, sexual abuse? Are you, are you aware? It's why... Um, when we get to child abuse and we spend just a few minutes on it, it's so important to recognize these kinds of questions. What, what's the reality of it? So that said, let's jump into it because I will run out of time. Um, uh, child abuse is when an authority figure, whether through action or failing to act, causes injury, death, emotional harm, sexual abuse, exploitation, or risk of serious harm to a child. And the, the, the God's, God's statement on these things are pretty doggone clear. That children have, have unique vulnerability and unique um, status before the God of the universe. You, you tell me, from, from Scripture and what you know of Scripture, what does God say about children? So Jesus is like, uh, there are people holding off children from entering into his presence and just a, a nuisance, not enough time. 
uh, Jesus, you've got a world to save, these children. And he's like, do not. Do not restrain them. Do not keep them from me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Right? This is your example of what the kingdom of heaven, the, the kind of faith that, that God calls us to have, looks like. Somewhere else. Where else in Scripture does God give us a view of his view of children? Yeah, if you, if you cause one of these to stumble, um, it would be better for you if you had a large, heavy, uh, non-floating object and you were thrown into the ocean. Right? What else? They're the most vulnerable. <laughs> the second person of the Trinity became a vulnerable human being to, with a 100% dependence on the care of other people. Uh, that's astonishing to me. It's astonishing that he would align himself, uh, identif- identify himself as one of us, even in childbirth. Um, any others? From the Lord, uh, Psalm 127. And uh, if your table is filled with them, you are blessed. Um, arrows going out, right? All that stuff. Doesn't, doesn't mean if you don't have children that you're not blessed. It just means children are, are a significant blessing, right? I'll, I'll give you one more just from our theology and our practices. Uh, what is the status of children of believers? Are they members of the church or not members of the church? They are, they are part of the church. They're non-communing members of the church just by being born into a Christian family. And you'll say, well, where did you get that from? And I would say, read the whole Bible. Read it from cover to cover, and you will see that when God blesses a believing family with children, they are instantly recognized. Um, 1 Corinthians 7 basically says, even if there's one believer in the house, a woman's married to an unbelieving husband or vice versa, those children are sanctified, set apart. That's exactly right. Um, so high, high, high view of children, value of children. Um, uh, doesn't mean you should worship them. Stop worshiping them. I'm just looking at you all. Stop worshiping them. They're very valuable. Yes? You need, you need an elder to say that to you from time to time. Stop worshiping your kids. And I need you to tell me that too. Would you go in my house and see every picture of my kid? Stop worshiping your kids. I'm trying not to. Right? Uh, Categories, spheres and categories of recognition. Um, recognizing it, child abuse is, uh, is, is a tricky thing because sometimes children will tell you directly what's going on and sometimes they will not. They'll just accidentally let on for things. Um, behavior, uh, physical signs, uh, the paper is filled with examples of what you're looking for and what's, what's, um, what's indicative of child abuse. And then it also talks about um, the relational aspect of it. This is where I'll spend a little bit of time and we're done. Um, Authority figures, acquaintances, child-on-child, parent, caregiver, and stranger. Uh, Child abuse, particularly uh, sexual abuse, um, statistically doesn't happen with a stranger. Statistically. I'm not saying it never happens. I'm saying if you look at the percentages, this one's out at the bottom. Stranger is, is a very small percentage. And I think we're trying to um, prepare ourselves for that one, a child being exposed. So Shannon and I are traveling to Egypt. Egypt is an Arabic country. Arabic countries very rarely see uh, a daughter who has blonde hair and blue eyes. Abigail is blonde-haired and blue-eyed, right? And before we went over there, Shannon had about 17 training sessions with Abigail. 
on this is how this is how far apart you can be from me. Right? This is how far apart you can be from me. And we were in very protected uh, groups. We were in a Christian compound. We were, we were, it was great. We had a great time. It was fantastic. Um, but the whole time, Shannon was like, they, they, your, your hair, your eyes, you're a target. Um, it's almost never a stranger. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying it's almost. The real, um, the real statistics are it's somebody that a child knows. And somebody typically that has a lot of access to you. Which is why, as a church, we have said um, we need 100% of our membership. 100%. If you've taken vows here, we need you to go through our ministry start, our ministry safe training. And every year, or every other year, I think, every other year, Chaz? Every other year, we've said to do it. And I know they've got to do it again. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If that's the minimum we're going to do, uh, we're going to do it. <laughs> there's, there's much more. Um, I'm glad Carol's in here today. Carol, Linda, um, in the past, uh, Maggie, and others have done to put into place policies to protect our children because in churches it's particularly um, the, the problems happen with people that they know. With people that they know. And so we have policies in place that, uh, that are intended to prevent it. For example, um, we, we, there's not a single person back there taking care of kids. It's always, it's always teens. It's always a, as much as we can possibly do it, it's always two people at least. That, that alone is a pretty good safeguard, right? We have to be in cahoots. Um, but it's, it's usually going to be somebody that they know. Um, and in, in a large, large number of cases, it's usually going to be another child that they know, older child. And I'm using child as in under 18. I'm using child as in under 18 that they know, that they have some kind of exposure to them, that they have some kind of access. And there's a fair amount of grooming that happens. It's not like a one moment. It's a fair amount of preparation. It's, it's a horrible topic. It is absolutely disgusting and startling and um, deserves a lot of revulsion. But we better be thinking about it because it's statistically where we have to focus. It's not... Let's make sure the doors can be locked, although we should. Let's make sure when people come through, they're background checked, because we should. Let's make sure that when people join as a church, they go through ministry-safe training before they can help with kids, because they should. Um, and that, in that training, if you've been through it, it just makes you sick going through it. It makes you ill physically, but you should go through it every other year. I even tried not to... Make a lot of it. I even tried to write the answers down to the test. And then the next time I had to do it, just I'll just bring the answers back up because it's so hard to watch the data and the situations. So, so hard to read these case studies in the DASA paper because it's just beyond my thinking. But I know we're all capable. I know, I know we're all broken people. And that's what we're trying to safeguard against. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Uh, questions or comments? Carol, you particularly, if you've got anything you want to go into that. Well, you don't have to ask because we'll send it to you, but uh, if you haven't had it, then you can ask. We'll send another link. So Rebecca will be... So Re- 
So Rebecca will be the one who's kind of organizing the link getting sent out. But yes, every other year, we've got to go through it again. And I say, got to go through it because we, we love our children. Because we love. These are our covenant children. These are our children, right? Um, prevention. Um, create and implement a child abuse policy. Thanks be to God, we've got Carol and Linda who have been working on um, more and more of that over the last few years. Um, there's a section in the paper on comprehensive child protection plan. That's a great tool. Train staff, leaders, and volunteers to recognize and report it. Uh, insist on background checks. Be known for reporting suspected um, abuse or neglect. That's one I'll pause on and say, that's a good thing. I, I would like our church to be known for nothing of this magnitude gets hidden. It doesn't get talked about. And when a case comes up, it's going to be made known. So when a case comes up, it's going to be tried here and it's going to be tried somewhere else, both spiritually and civilly. That should, the, the more that that's known by the people of Christ Covenant Church, the more we're going to protect our children. The more you know that this is not a place where an abuser can thrive, this is going to be a good place for, for your kids, for my kids when they were here. <clears throat> um, communicate to the congregation that pastoral staff are trained and willing to intervene. Uh, create, uh, clearly articulate abuse as a sin. Teach that God hates abuse and calls his people to protect the vulnerable um, week after week. You should hear that. You, should, you heard it this morning. Even in laws about oxen, God cares about people. God cares about the vulnerable. He cares about those who have been harmed by others. Um, clarify that abuse is not a private issue. Uh, teach your church, uh, church's theology of abuse. We've spent one week on that. But I would encourage you to keep studying the DASA report. Uh, require leaders to model exemplary sexual lives. Because of their high calling, high visibility, high influence among us, pastors and other church leaders should be expected to live godly lives. In fact, um, in our nomination process, if you've evaluated someone, those are the only people you're to nominate. Those are the only ones you're supposed to nominate. Are those who've ex exemplified an alignment to live to live as God would call us to live, not perfectly, not perfectly, but with a clear understanding of these topics. Uh, address tangential issues such as pornography and other media which eroticize violence. Um, I think I've shared with you guys before, um, when Campus Crusade came, they came to Barnhart to ask for money, to help with a program, to recruit people to be staff members at Crusade. Because when they were asking the question of this one in the application, 100% of the males said, I've got a problem with this. I am, I, I am I'm either addicted to pornography or I'm, I'm exposed to it regularly. 100% um, of people who wanted to go into ministry were saying, we have an issue. And so they came and said, can we get some money to put together a program to train and, and rehabilitate and redeem and give some uh, just discipleship on these things. Because if not, we're, we're not going to have a... They're basically saying we're not going to have a pool of men. One of the downsides of the technology is you're a swipe or two away. Just a swipe or two away. Right? Um, it's far more pervasive. And not just for men now, it's also the, the, the stats on women are creeping up dramatically. 
um, extend education uh, to children and teenagers on what the church believes about their value and their protection. I'm going to stop there. We're just we're out of time, but too much to cover. The paper has so much more information. I, we're just trying to give you mountaintops. Comments, questions, thoughts, anything you want to add? Carol. We, we don't have hard copies. I've got a PDF. Um, I can send you, it's, I, sent you, I sent everybody on the Faith Life app the link to the resources for DASA, which includes the paper. It also includes a video of the presentation of the paper at General Assembly last year. Um, and all the members of the committee and their books and resources are on the website as available resources. And that's on the Faith Life app. Get it while you can. Is that right, Heath? Get it while you can. Other questions? Thank you, Carol. Other questions, comments, thoughts? So part of the recommendations at the end of the paper is we need an analytical approach to the denomination as well. Let's go and get our analytics. Um, there's a little different approach because and I'm former pastor of a Southern Baptist church. So, so let me tell you what the difference in approach is. Um, you can report on the analytics all day long. All day long. And it's, it's pervasive in Catholic church, Protestant church, Presbyterians. It's pervasive, right? You can report on the analytics all day long. The one thing I'm going to say is a, a glimmer of hope for us is that we actually have courts that can try these things out and bring justice and accountability in our courts. Southern Baptists have no such structure. Baptists have no such structure. There is no structure that allows you to do that. So what they're struggling with is this. They have a list of hundreds of names that are guilty, that are guilty, pastors in, in their denomination. And we, we know uh, pastors who are guilty too. They, they get addressed in our courts. But those pastors, that are all they have to do is move from one church to another. That's all they have to do. Because there's no, there's no, account, there's no across church accountability. It's unconscionable. It's why, it's why there's so many discussions now about Maybe we should have a better structure like, they won't say it, the Presbyterian. Um, all the churches that are moving to elders in their church are moving to a Presbyterian model without the connectivity. The connectivity is a key. Any other questions or comments? Thank you. Oh. Yes, we, we do have credentials committees that talk to each other, which is a huge deal. But it does happen. Anything else? Guys, would you pray? Amen. Thanks, you guys.